money, deals, tribal knowledge, resources, training, coaching, partnering. We are Texas's largest real estate investor association at texasstarterkit.com. My name is Shanoa Grove. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Texas RIAs. I'm Shanoa Grove. I am the founder and president of Texas RIAs. We're Texas' largest association of real estate investor groups uh, with meetings in Austin, Houston, Dallas, and San Antonio. I uh, want to welcome all of you guys to our meeting tonight. We've got a lot of great information to share with you, including what has happened in the last market update. So we'll share the numbers uh, from last month, and we'll also go through our tip of the week, and then we also have a great keynote presentation for you all. So excited to be with you you here tonight excited to be sharing some tribal knowledge with you guys uh just curious how many of you guys are brand new to real estate like just like okay all right so okay so and some of you guys have been doing it for a little while okay awesome how many of you guys have been doing it for more than a year you're like how how long again five or ten yeah okay okay so there's uh there's one other person who's been doing it in here for it sounds like at least uh 15 years possibly uh besides me so uh i've been investing in real estate since 2003 i am what is called a full cycle investor so that means i've been through up cycles down cycles long sideways cycles up cycles again upside down cycles uh, i've invested through um, different presidents different uh, contract changes different law changes Changes, um, all of that sort of stuff. So excited to be here with you uh, all here tonight and just to be able to share with you uh, what I've learned over that time period and uh, also share with you how in that time period I've not had to take a paycheck from anyone else. Uh, so I've been able to create my income, create my, my wealth through real estate and real estate investing. So if you guys are looking to not work for anyone else going forward, then I can help with that uh, because I've helped a lot of people do that as uh, this association is trained uh, thousands and thousands of real estate investors all across uh, the great state of Texas. Uh, so I'm curious how many of you guys are interested specifically in single family? Okay, more multifamily people in here. Okay, that's awesome. Um, and then, um, so for us, uh, we cut our teeth in single family investing. And once we made enough money in single family investing, we started to move into multifamily and on other commercial um, uh, um, asset classes as well. So there's uh, certainly a great advantage to being able to kind of cut your teeth in single family. I know a lot of people really want to jump immediately into multifamily. Um, I will just kind of warn you that if you are, are are in a position where you have to create income. Um, multifamily is probably not going to give you the income that you want at the speed that you want it at. So what I might recommend is just because most most multifamily uh, or commercial projects take at least three to five years and some take even a little bit more, but because most take at least three to five years, if you want to create income as a real estate investor now, I'd, I'd suggest that you start in single family just to get that income going and then uh, use some of your proceeds uh, that you uh, have pulled from being a single family investor to invest in multifamily uh, over time. So, and I probably start as a passive, uh, as a passive passive multifamily investors example, that's how I started as well. Um, and then you can start doing your own sponsorships, um, um, uh, being a, a, a larger part of a larger investment over time. Uh, but I do see a lot of people say, well, this sounds, this sounds awesome. This sounds like the big money. I want to go where the big money is. And sometimes they just realize that you're not going to be able to get that um, massive 
amount of cash flow, uh, at least not immediately. So uh, start to plan for that. And you can plan for that uh, quite quite easily by investing in single family on the way. So uh, a little bit about our association. So we often say we are Texans teaching Texans how to invest in Texas using strategies that work in Texas. Uh, so we have a little bit of a Texas bent here. So the reason why we kind of have uh, that philosophy is because we see a lot of people who will come in from out of state. Uh, they come in from out of state and then uh, they try to share with you how to invest in real estate and what works in their state, which is fantastic if you are also investing in their state, but if you are not investing in their state, a lot of times they're teaching you things that might not work in our state or even worse, might be illegal in our state. Uh, usually what I find is it's more of the not work uh, aspect from the standpoint of, they send you on a fool's errand to go and look for uh, tax liens and tax deeds, which we really don't really do here in Texas. It's not the same. Like you see these commercials on TV where you can get these houses for like $250. We don't really have those here in Texas. So um, it sounds cool. Uh, sounds wonderful. Sounds awesome. But uh, usually doesn't, uh, uh, usually people... Uh, find out after they've been trying to explore it for a couple months that oh this is not this is not the way that they make it sound right so uh, for us, we want to make sure that you're uh, learning from people who live here, for, uh, who work here, who invest here. And so for us, it's really important to us to make sure that you're getting the right information on what to do now, what is legal now. Um, so the Texas legislature, we're very lucky here in Texas uh, versus other states. So the Texas legislature only gets together once every two years to uh, talk and screw things up and create new laws for us uh, versus other states, right? And uh, federal, uh, federally, they get together every year. Uh, but they do, they are changing laws here in Texas every two years, so you do have to keep up with those. Um, if you're not up to date with those, you're going to miss something and or do something illegal. Um, over the last several years, uh, different laws have come out about wholesaling. How many of you guys are interested in doing wholesaling as you're getting started? Okay, a couple of you guys. Um, so there have been different laws that have come out about wholesaling. Uh, about fines for wholesaling if you're not doing it correctly. Uh, there have been new laws that have come out around uh, wraparound mortgages, buying subject to, and um, uh, selling those on a wrap. So I want to make sure you guys are up to date with that. Uh, specifically, since several of you guys said that you're interested in doing um, in, in doing um, uh, uh, wholesaling, I would recommend that um, you get very familiar with uh, the Texas Real Estate Commission. So the Texas Real Estate Commission is the license licensing board for realtors. So if you are not a realtor, you can still wholesale properties. Uh, but there is a little bit of an explanation in there in terms of how to do it. Uh, and, and at least how to do it without getting a fine. So if you do it incorrectly, uh, the Texas Real Estate Commission will fine you, will find you, and then they will fine you. Um, I've seen several real estate investors get like fines totaling about $5,000. Welcome to real estate investing, right? You're just doing what that guy on YouTube told you to do, and he was telling you how to do it in his state, but maybe not in your state. So when it comes to doing that here in Texas, um, there's a uh, certain language that you have to use and there's certain language that you need to uh, stay very far away from. Specifically on the stay far away from standpoint, you can't say that you are selling the property because if you are selling a property that you are do not own and you are not a licensed agent and you are not representing the seller, then you are acting like an agent who is, but someone who is unlicensed. So that's where the fines come in. Uh, usually that fine is about a $5,000 fine. So uh, be clear that when you are wholesaling something that you are selling what's called your equitable interest in the property, your equitable 
equitable interest in the property. This is the exact term. This is the exact set of words that you will need to use. Uh, you are selling your contract. You are not selling the property because if you're selling the property and e even if you have an under contract, uh, in some cases you might be seen as acting like a realtor who is unlicensed. And again, that comes with a fine. So just want to make sure you guys are not doing that uh, to make sure you guys stay out of trouble. So equitable interest effectively in saying that you're selling the contract effectively what that's um, where you're going with that specifically is um, you're, um, you're, you're, you're not selling the property as a realtor would. Um, uh, you are selling your contract, right? So your equitable interest basically says you own an interest in that property. And that is what is allowing you to sell that contract and sell that property. Um, so just want to make sure you guys are using that correctly. I've seen a lot of investors that I've known for years who were just not, I mean, smart investors um, who had been wholesaling for years, but just didn't know those words and would just say, you know, I'm wholesaling this property, I'm selling this property. And, and they got fined and it was really ugly. And Trek is, um, uh, Trek's very serious about that. I, I'm curious, how many realtors are in the room right now? Any realtors? Okay, yeah, so some of the some of you guys are realtors in the room. Um, you know how serious Trek can be, right? And they're uh, quite unfriendly because their whole job is just to protect the public, right, from, uh, 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 from, from realtors that act badly or people who act like realtors who are not licensed. So they have that jurisdiction over uh, those folks as well. Uh, so for those of you guys who are in the, here in the room with us, you see the slide that I have on here. Uh, this is is our uh, the 272 things that we've learned in real estate since we started investing uh, back in 2003. So I'll pop that back up on the screen. I know it's a little bright in here today, uh, but let's see if I can get that back up. Uh, let's see, there we go. And we're almost there. And if this would work and wonderful, there we go. Uh, so what this looks like is the 272 different things that we've learned since we started investing in real estate back in 2003. It, um, it's, it's basically our business model. It's basically our personal blueprint for investing in real estate. And it goes through all of the different strategies that you can use as a real estate investor. It goes through all the different marketing that you need to use as a real estate investor. Uh, we've identified about 60 five different marketing strategies and there are many more even beyond those it goes through all of the um, sales and negotiations so all of the different closes that we have come up with after talking to well over a thousand sellers over the course of our time investing uh, the analysis and due diligence uh, part of it which is now more critical than ever because of where the market is uh, the financing part of your business so making sure that you've got the funds to be able to do um, those real estate transactions and the largest section up there was the operations side of the business. So this is when you go from swinging a hammer in your business to hiring someone else to swing that hammer for you. I'm super curious, how many of you guys are looking at swinging a hammer at your own projects? Okay, a couple of you guys, a couple of you guys. Uh, one person said this, what does this mean? Occasionally, okay. One person raised their hand before I could even finish the question. So what, so what does that mean for you? You were a builder remodeler, so you don't mind doing it, but you don't want to do it all the time. And then you, sir, how about you? I do a lot of you do a lot of projects yourself. Okay. Is that just like you're handy or is that like you do your own renovation projects on your, on your own rehabs? I'm curious. Handy. Okay. So my, my husband is also very handy, um, which is really fantastic, except for what? What does that get in the way of? Someone says the money. Someone says what? Someone says schedule, okay. Um, so the person who's in the room who used to build houses, do, were you doing every single job yourself? Yeah. 
You, you were. You did not hire out a plumber. You did not hire out an electrician. You did not hire out a foundation company. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you for uh, getting more specific with me. I appreciate that. Uh, so, so swinging a hammer, um, and you took that literally, and I, I can appreciate that. Um, so the idea here is is just doing the project yourself, no matter what. So no matter what thing you might be swinging or or anything like that. So. Uh, uh, so, so I, you know, what I what I find is a lot of the builders that I talk to, um, who are kind of more the production builders. If you talk to the person who's in charge, they're not swinging the hammers, but they're hiring a lot of other people who are swinging the hammers for them. Why is that? Why is that? Someone said time. What did you say? To save on time. To save on time. Okay. What 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 else? allows you to scale your business because if you are swinging a hammer or using a sheetrock jack or framing you know or doing a roof or you know doing electrical or doing plumbing can you how many deals can you do you can do probably one maybe two maybe three at a time but those projects are going to take how long too long right and then and then and we have holding costs don't we as real estate investors and especially here in texas because we have property taxes that are quite steep, right? Um, and that's just and that's just really just money. And the longer you take on that project, the more of your profit is being taken out of your pocket because of those property taxes. So I will say if you guys are looking to scale, the faster that you can let go of that hammer, uh, the hammer's going to, you know, get you, you know, it's going to make you 50, 100K a year on, you know, one, two flips, right? Which if you're making less than 50 or 100K a year probably sounds really good. Uh, but if you really want to grow your business beyond that, then you're going to have to put down the hammer and hi hire other people to pick up that hammer for you so that you can do more projects and so that you can scale your business. So uh, when I first started investing, I was uh, holding the hammer, uh, you know, had the trailer, you know, had uh, did all the stuff, um, uh, you know, uh, went to the dump, uh, you know, just did all of the things. And what I found was even though I felt good, like about like accomplishing a, a great day of work and I could see what I was doing, and from my prior career as a, you know, cubicle desk jockey, you know, it felt really good to see something that I was producing, right, that I was making, that I was in charge of, that I could see like a change there versus the spreadsheets that I was working in day in and day out. So I find that a lot of people who are, um, who were like me 20 years ago and, and in front of a cubicle and in front of a desk and in front of a computer all day long, you know, that getting out of that and just kind of, you know, breathing that construction air just feels really amazing. But as much as it feels amazing, you have to let that go as quickly as possible in order to scale your business, in order to grow to that next level. So um, I would encourage you guys to do that sooner rather than later, uh, because the longer that it takes you to get there is just slowing down your ability to make more and more money. So um, that'd be my uh, recommendation for all of you guys in here. And I'm curious, how many of you, is anyone in here talking to a seller? Anyone in here talking to a seller right now? Working with a seller on a deal? You are, okay. How's that going? So Not so good. Would you like a little help with that? Uh, sure. Uh, sure. Would, uh, what's your name? Camila. Camila, awesome. Would you mind walking over to that microphone over there so everyone in here can hear you? Uh, okay. And everyone please give Camila a very nice round of applause as she agrees to come up here and talk to everybody. So you may have to talk. Will you test the microphone real quick? There we go. There we go. All yeah. right, awesome. So, <laughs> so you said you're talking to a seller right yes. now. 
you said it's maybe not going as well as you might like it to go. So yeah. uh, what, is, what does that mean? What does that look like? Um, well, right now he's out of the country. Okay, he's the old out of the country routine. Okay, yeah. uh, so he said you said he's not in a rush to he's sell. He's not in a rush to sell. Okay, no. okay, okay. So, um, how did you find him? Um, I found him digging, <laughs> digging a lot to find. Uh, basically, through tax records, I found okay. the company, and then some search to find who owned the company, and I found the seller. Okay, so it's owned by a company. It's owned by like an LLC. Yes. Okay. Um, and uh, what made you decide to reach out to him? Just curious. I have a client on a 1031 exchange. Okay, so you're on a deadline for your client. Yes. Okay, so so how long ago, d uh, have they already closed on their subject property? Uh, yeah, okay, they have. So, and how long ago was that? That was two months ago, but because of the hurricane in Florida, they got an extension on their 1031 until oh, wow. February. The so now my of, of hurricanes. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> now my buyer's not in a rush anymore either. So. Okay. 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 So how? how so normally you have 45 days to identify mm -hmm. the subject property. How long did the? How long was the hurricane extension? Uh, did, did the hurricane uh, extension give them? Till February, mid February. You're so kidding. Yeah. That I must know. have been a really terrible hurricane. It was. <laughs> I I um I shouldn't be laughing about that. We yeah. don't get we don't get too many we, we get one one really good one every uh, five to ten years in, in Houston, in right? Houston, so, yeah. Uh, so okay, well that's that's interesting. I did not I, I was not aware that they there was such an extension that would uh yeah. would uh, I was make surprised. it go go that long. So so then so now you're so but you're but your seller still has that money at uh, 1031 exchange intermediary, is that right? Yes. Okay. And so um, how, how's the 1031 exchange uh, intermediary charging, charging them? Uh, I'm not sure. Okay, all right, just yeah, curious. Um, so, so normally it's, you have 45 days to identify up mm -hmm. to three different replacement properties and up to 180 days to close. Yeah. So it sounds like uh, the, the 45 days got extended to like, 245 days yeah uh, and then lot. how much longer did he get on the 180 days to be able to close on the on the next property do you know yet or no I okay. don't know okay. I think um, he mentioned something that it would start counting from the end of the identifying period okay okay so yeah okay so so probably would still after that after he identifies it give him at least that 180 days to be able to close it yeah I believe so, so. and then and then you you found a property in Texas for him Yes. Okay. And then, and then, so, so, how did you find the property in Texas for him? So through Realist, I'm a okay. realtor. Okay. Um, I found the tax records and the purchasing company. Okay. And um, so, for those of you guys who are not realtors who don't know, Realist is a um, is a uh, database that realtors have access to, and they can basically pull the. Uh, property uh, records of any owner anywhere in Texas. So um, it's a really great resource. Yep. As a realtor, you can pull up to 8,000 different records every month to be able to market to if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. um, so, but what were the, what was, what was the criteria that you used for this? I, I, you, you're <laughs> kind of giving me an idea like you don't want to tell me, and yeah. that's okay too. No, um, so my, my buyer has some criteria of the property that he's looking for. Okay. And I, I, I found a few of these you know, options. And then through Realist, I found, um, within those options, I found this seller who was 
kind of like I think it was like an expired deal an expired listing yeah an expired okay. listing okay. so um, once I saw it was expired I contacted the seller directly okay okay so um, so with real list you know it, it, for any of you guys who are not realtors if you have a realtor you can ask that realtor to pull a you know you can get you know as specific report, as yeah. as this many square feet in this neighborhood built in this age with this type of loan um, yeah. expired listings uh, listings that are on the foreclosure list um, mm -hmm. Uh, you can even with or without a swimming pool I mean there's like all of the details about a property that are in there so um, you know it's it's interesting that you're contacting someone who's an LLC so that's uh, you're probably talking to an investor yeah so if the investor uh, was trying to sell it and then do you know when it expired or roughly or so I think it expired about a month before I contacted him okay um, and then what happened is I, I found the person's name through yeah. SOS. Yeah. And then there's actually some hunting. That's like the, the state of Texas, like, you know, to be able to find who Secretary owns of a, state. Yeah, who, be able to find out who owns that LLC. Yeah. yeah. And then there's actually like a hunting app that tells you the phone number of people who own specific properties mm -hmm. so that if you're hunting, and you're in someone's property, you can contact them, basically. Yeah, so through so that app, I found his number. Yeah, it used to be that the MLS, when a property was expired or withdrawn, it kept the phone number in there. Uh, but because all of these sellers got really sick and tired of all of these agents calling all these expired listings, they started to pull the phone number out. Uh, but there are a lot of uh, companies that will uh, actually go in and pull everything that's in the MLS yeah. every day so that they can pull those phone numbers so realtors can still call and harass these people to say, say like, hey, I can sell your house. Okay, so, yeah. and, and you're calling this person and now they're like, they're, they kind of turn a little cold on you? Um, well, because he's not in a rush, okay. Um, he and he's getting all of a sudden, according to him, he's getting different offers from investors from New York, which okay. um, we are seeing a lot of those investors not be able to close. Okay. Um, and according to him, you know, this the investor from New York is willing to pay over what he was originally asking. Because that makes at a sense, brand new right? So that With makes the, sense, I right? Know. It's like I was listed for six months and then I didn't get yeah. a single offer. And now it makes, it's the next obvious choice that, okay, and there are all these other properties that have since come on the market. So that makes yeah. real, that makes that. So, so I would say to that owner, um, I'm, wow, I'm just super curious. Why haven't you accepted that offer yet? It seems like something's giving you hesitation. Yeah. Tell me what that is. I'm curious. What's giving you hesitation about accepting this offer? Seems mm -hmm. like you got to know that something's not right about this, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you asked that question? We have, yes. And what did he say? Um, he said he was waiting for them to come visit the property. He really, he's kind of old school and really wants someone to tour the property. So okay. I sent someone, I sent a representative there because they're in Houston. Okay. Well, what about these people from New York? They came the day after he left the nation so okay <laughs> okay i know so they toured the property okay. but um the property is still not under contract okay so okay. yeah right. it goes back to he keeps going back to i'm not in a rush okay i follow that yeah. um so i follow that so but now now i got to go back to, to to you and your buyer mm -hmm. why is your buyer so specific that i mean are there really no other properties that meet his criteria that are on the mls 
Um, well, this one wasn't on the MLS. Um, I thought you said it was listed previously. It, it was listed, just not on the MLS. It was it was in Crexy. Okay. Um, and I had seen it in Crexy. I glanced at it, and then I saw that it wasn't there anymore. And I asked him, and he said it had expired. Like he wasn't okay. with okay. that okay. person anymore. Okay. Um, so, but for my client specifically. He's a very aggressive investor for Class C properties. Okay, got it. And he's looking for over 60 units. So um, within what he's looking for in the current market, you know, it's just been a little tricky. Sellers are still not... um, Sellers are not there yet. They're not there yet, yeah. Yeah. So with him not being in a rush, we're just kind of waiting sellers to get there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so there is like this phenomenon that happens when the market changes, right? And and this has always been the case where sellers are always six months behind where the market is, right? Yeah. Uh, so six months behind just happens to be the hottest part of the market that we've ever seen in the history of real estate here in Texas, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so and what's happened in the market post the May, June timeframe here in Texas? It's really slowed down. So you know, sales are sales are down roughly thirty percent, uh, and some in some parts of Texas down twenty to twenty five percent, and probably most parts of Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, but sellers are still very attached to those paper gains yeah. that they had back in May and June, uh, and sometimes it's very difficult for them to let that go. Mm-hmm. And usually, by the time that they do, then it's like, it, and, it, and it's almost like. Um, you know, uh, a colleague of mine described it as, as, as you know, uh, trying to catch a falling knife, right? Yeah. It's like, that's really, you know, it's number one, it's frightening to do, but it's really hard to do. And when you think of when the market, when the market's going up, it, you know, think of it going up like, like you're going up an escalator, right? It kind of looks like this, it looks like this. Mm-hmm. When the market's going down, think of it going down like you're taking an elevator, so it goes down at twice the rate that it goes up. So this is when you're trying to like, you know, catch this thing that's falling that's almost impossible to get. Yeah. So, so you, you have this um, uh, I, I, out of the country must also mean out of touch. So you have this <laughs> completely out of touch seller who doesn't maybe realize that he's in the escalator and the es- um, he's in the elevator and the elevator is going down at speed. Yeah. And he's no longer in the, uh, in the eleva- escalator that's going up. So um, have you done any, have you talked to him about kind of where the market is right now or, or what's, what's happening with that or yeah. what have you told him? Um, we've talked a lot. I've, we've told him, I've actually had someone who runs a bank call him, a bank that does only mortgages. Mm-hmm. And he told him, hey, I'm seeing a lot of these New York deals that you're describing. They're just not closing. Yeah. They can't fund. Yeah. And this is someone who can fund. And what's the deal and and it's an assumable loan deal if he gets out of the loan if they fund the way they want to then he'll have a seven hundred thousand penalty prepayment penalty and we're willing to assume the loan plus cover plus the penalty plus yeah no plus more um the penalty is if no one assumes the loan okay. prepayment penalty so um he's just like he's just kind of enamored by the number you know and and so we're just kind of waiting for it to fall he's like yeah but you know this offer is there and i have to yeah you have to explore okay go ahead explore it now we're waiting yeah yeah um Um, so so i mean for me when i get in these situations where someone is enamored by that number um uh, if i can will you okay if i can meet your number would you be willing to 
offer me financing, close in this time frame, bring some other thing that is important to me that maybe is less important to you. Mm-hmm. So um, is, is that prepayment penalty, is the expiration of that in any time, dur- any time frame during which uh, your uh, 1031 client has like a little bit of leeway there? How, how, how quickly does that, uh, how, how much longer on that term does he have before that uh, penalty expires? The penalty on? For the prepayment on the loan for the seller. I don't know, but we're, we're willing to assume the loan. We're, our offer is assuming the loan. Mm-hmm. So the prepayment penalty would apply to the other okay, offer. Okay, because okay, they, won't re- they, want, they won't assume the loan. They won't assume the loan. So they want, they want the 7% cash. rate, yeah. yeah. Okay, all right. They want the <laughs> okay. Well, what's the underlying rate of, your, uh, of, the, of the owners right now? Do you know? It's uh, 3.75. Okay, okay. All right, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so really so so this is like the seller who is super hopeful yeah. and is like not seeing it's like it's like you know when you start to date somebody and there are obvious signs that this is just not going to work out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like like they're a little cuckoo, right? And and it sounds like I mean I'm just I'm just yep. I'm just it sounds like your your seller is Got those, got those crazy love eyes and just can't see through that because the New York offer is, is, is hot, yeah. right? Or, uh, so, but but uh, it's, it's the, those, those, the other person's, the New York offer's crazy eyes are about to <laughs> like kind of turn at some point. And yeah. the question is, um, did you ask him how long they were gonna be in escrow before they closed on that other offer? Uh, no, so the other offer's still not in escrow. But, um, but what, so I understand they're not under contract, but yeah. on the terms that they have suggested, yeah. how long were they going to be in escrow before they pull the trigger? 60 days. 60 days. Okay. Yeah. That's actually really quick. We offered 45. Okay. That's actually yeah. quicker. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, so, so, and, and then, you know, it's like, you know, just talking about, you know, the, 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 the person that you're dating kind of going bad. It's like. Well, they, they blew through the 60, and what are they going to ask for when they blow through the 60? They're going to ask for an extension. Yeah. So that means that they're going to do something crazy, mm-hmm. right? And then you're going to take them back. This is exactly how dating works. <laughs> I mean, it's, and the red flags are there. Yeah. But, uh, but um, uh, okay, so, so, I mean, uh, you know, worst case, you go in as a backup offer, but I would, uh, I would probably keep searching um, mm-hmm. for, and I'm, and I'm sure you've done that. I, I'm hoping you've identified more than one property form in that real list search that you did. Yes. Okay, and how are the conversations going with some of those other folks? Um, I have like a tricky situation on my hands just because again the sellers are still six months that six, six months month mentality yeah. behind yeah. and my buyer is very aggressive so he's kind of like three months ahead yeah so yeah. his whole mentality right now is make ridiculous offers and in that he is making offers like ridiculous lowball offers yes okay got it okay and yeah. what i'm trying he's not you're, you're, he's not in texas yeah he's in florida okay so i'm trying to explain to him the texas market is very different it's a lot more stable and um that's something i found that a lot of my investors from outside of the state have a hard time understanding mm-hmm. especially if they're from florida south florida california new york 
the mentality is Texas is extremely cheap. Let's just go and invest there. And I'm trying to get him to understand that yes, there's areas, but you're looking in the metroplexes. Well, you can just show them the cap rates. Yeah. Um, so they publish all the cap rates. If you look at the cap rates for Texas, they're almost universally lower than the cap rates for the rest of the United States for those multi, if that's a, if it sounds like it's a multifamily asset yes. class, at uh -huh. least 60 doors. Uh, they are universally lower for A, cl class A, class B, class B, class C, class D. I mean, they're just, the 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 sellers are still setting you know um uh the sellers are still setting their prices and yeah. if they're uh, especially the off-market sellers right it's like if if they were looking at something that was on market are you searching LoopNet too and some of those yeah, other I stuff am. okay yeah mm -hmm. um so sometimes those are a little bit more realistic because why because they have a broker who's whispering in their ear you better get rid of this thing because you don't know what's going to happen in the market next yeah um and um sometimes the appetite for uh, lenders as you know recessionary times come uh, lenders appetites sometimes get you know that's that's when they want to go on a on a lending diet right which means they don't want to they don't want to give it out any more money so mm -hmm. i think um uh i think yeah i i think that uh, uh i would keep on searching uh, but I mean, it sounds like you have the time to be able to wait out this New York buyer who <laughs> it sounds like you think probably won't close, uh, yeah. which I can see that happening. I'm seeing a lot of um, the kind of national buyers, the hedge fund buyers, and even the, um, um, uh, you know, the online buyers, right? Mm -hmm. So like the open doors, uh, Zillow's been out of the market for probably about nine, uh, or actually maybe about 12 months now. Yeah. Um, open door, uh, Redfin also getting out of the market in terms of uh, buying houses. So a lot of that money is tightening up because they're realizing, oh, this is actually harder than what we thought it was, uh, what we saw on HGTV when we were looking <laughs> at it. So um, I will, uh, I, yeah, I will just kind of encourage you to continue to uh, look. Um, and encourage you to continue to use uh, what I call FUD, F-U-D stands for fear, uncertainty, and doubt when it comes to having those interactions with that, uh, with that, with that seller. And even use some of that FUD when you're talking to people who are off market, right? It's like this is the time to get out uh, because as interest rates rise, even in that multifamily space, um, some buyers are going to be either pulling out of the market waiting um, or going to be making some of these, you know, low ball offers. What, 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 you know, uh, what you're uh, presenting. So, uh, well, thank you for uh, sharing yeah. your story, and I wish you all the best of luck on thank your you. uh, journey to find uh, this a uh, 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 seller for your buyer. Uh, awesome, thank you. Thank you. Texas's largest real estate investor association at TexasStarterKit.com. If you like today's episode, please subscribe, comment, share with other investors, or join us directly at TexasStarterKit.com.